Spectrum Business works with small businesses nationwide, so we know that running your own business means doing it all. Marketing, sales, inventory, customer service, and more. Spectrum One for Business helps you keep it all connected for just $49.99 a month. Get fast, reliable internet, advanced Wi-Fi with security shield, and a free mobile line for one low price. Stay connected and do it all with Spectrum One for Business. Only $49.99 a month. Go to spectrum.com slash business to learn more. Restrictions apply. Service is not available in all areas. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker. Of course, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards are here joining me and we've got all the fallout from the return of European club football to discuss. But before we get to that, um, how's your week been, Micah? It's been uh, fantastic. We've seen uh, a lot of each other. I've been, I might as well have stayed at your house, to be honest. But I must say the hospitality again... Gary, I mean, you just keep going up a notch. What time? What did we have this time? We had well, a- this was um, yesterday because we recorded um, a few episodes of um, our other podcast that we do together, which is also obviously a television show as well, um, which is the BBC Match Today Top Ten. Happy to give that a plug. So we had a lot of people around. What, what, did, what did you call I, it? I did uh, I did um, a crispy uh, gnocchi and tomato mozzarella dish and and a cottage pie. It was beautiful. By oh the way. well, it's high praise. I high wish praise. I, I wish. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could entertain and host like that, and just be able to cook for about fifteen people. If you came to mine, lads, beans on toast. <laughs> in that case, I'll get in the kitchen. <laughs> I'll guarantee you some nice wine, though. Yeah, um, that, that's a lovely guarantee. I appreciate that. Um, until next time. But having had a few glasses last night and we're up early this morning, it's not quite the moment. Do you catch much European football this week? It was the, it was the return of obviously all those competitions. Um, it's always an exciting moment, particularly, I think, probably for Brighton. Um, obviously, their their first venture into to Europe. Um, the stadium was rocking, and and unfortunately, they. They they lost. I didn't really see that coming. But it's a, it's a different game, isn't it? In in Europe, it's different tactics. I I think Brighton looked a little bit nervy, like because it was their first time in European football. It's almost like they wasn't playing their normal game. AEK are a good team, but player for player, I would take Brighton's team any day of the week. So I was a little bit surprised. Pedro turned up. Yeah. Mentioned Pedro played very well. Scored a couple of penalties. Both um, turned round, weren't they, by both, But I mean, I, they were definitely yeah. <laughs> clear penalties, weren't they? But AEK have got some decent players. Do you remember Sidibe used mm. to be at Monaco? I and mean, everyone was raving about him about mm. six, seven years ago. 
they just did a job. But yeah, I was disappointed with Brighton because they didn't really turn up, but it's still amazing for them to be in Europe. Yeah. It's different playing in European football, Alan, isn't it? Particularly, I think, when, when, when you travel. Um, can you remember your f- first time away from I, home? I, rem- I remember it all. And you're absolutely spot on in terms of people will just say, oh, it's just another football match. Why is, it, why is it different? Well, it is different. The mentality's different. The pace of play is different. The atmosphere, as you could tell, at Brighton last night because it was their very first time in uh, in European football. There was a great atmosphere again down there. Um, so it is very, very different. And of course, Newcastle had the same thing. I mean, Newcastle yeah. went, to, uh, went to Milan on uh, on Tuesday and um it was hard work for them and you could tell the last 20 minutes they were absolutely shattered and I get and understand that because it's the mentality it's the traveling it's it's all of those things and and it it can get to you and I think certainly looking at, at Newcastle on Tuesday it was it was hard work yeah. for them it was a great point though that oh, wasn't it Al um it was an unbelievable point Micah um they would have snapped your hands off if someone had said to them before the game, you want to go away with a point, with a clean sheet. Don't think they played particularly well. If Milan had anyone who could put the ball on the back of the net, then Newcastle would have been beaten. But I thought two great performances from uh, from Nick Pope and from Kieran Trippier. I thought they, thought they were outstanding. The rest of them didn't really quite find their feet and found it hard at times. Sean Longstaff was maybe another pick, but um, it was a, it, it, I wouldn't say it was a great night, but it was a great point. You you played against Milan, didn't you, in the San Siro? Inter, time, Inter, Inter Milan, yeah. Inter, Inter Milan. was it, yeah. yeah. So I still play at San Siro. So in Italy, they often um, share stadiums. Yeah, it was um, that was Newcastle's last ever um, last ever away game was um, was in the San Siro and I played there. You got a couple in the other one, didn't you? Got a couple, yes, Gary. Thanks for <laughs> mentioning that. I knew you would. Um, <laughs> a couple of tap-ins. but um, yeah, all in all, it, uh, I think it was a, a, certainly a good night. There were thousands that uh, that went there. My son went there, left seven o'clock on uh, on Tuesday morning, got back Wednesday afternoon. I had a mate from uh, from Newcastle, just lives down the down the road from me. We were at a function on uh, Monday evening. He left the function at one a.m., got in a car, travelled to Manchester, got on a flight to Manchester, landed at Copenhagen. <laughs> Got on another <laughs> flight from Copenhagen to Milan and then went to the game. It's like, oh, oh my God, it's like a busman's holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that, that is dedication for you, isn't was it? it? Was he one of the, or was that, or was that your son I saw sliding down the street on his belly? <laughs> and like, Did you see that? That was hilarious. Uh, 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 oh, those Geordies, Al, those Geordies. I said to uh, I said to my son, as I always do when he uh, when he goes to away games, just don't do anything stupid, just be sensible. <laughs> Go and have a go and have a laugh with your mates and enjoy the atmosphere. He sent me his mate sent me a video. They were outside of the Milan players hotel, yeah. right? And all the Milan players were coming out, getting onto the bus, ready to go to the game. And you can imagine there was I don't know seven or eight hundred Milan fans. And there's my stupid fucking son with his Newcastle shirt on. Him and his him and his three mates. I said, "What on earth are you playing at? I told you, just be sensible." <laughs> Oh. They're not sensible at that. Oh age, my god! Honestly, twenty-three. The bloody idiot. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
Oh dear. Well, was he all right though? Yeah, he, he was fine. Did he, he have had, a fun time? He had, a, he, had, uh, he had a great time. He said it's, the, it's the a great draw for Newcastle, oh, right, isn't it? That, with that, that group. I mean, people say, oh God, that's unlucky. It's really tough. But for, for fans, what you want, and, and that was kind of, I thought, slightly disappointing when Leicester in the, in the Champions League mm. is that you wanted to be at you know, the big clubs, go to the San Siro, the New Camp or the Bernabeu and stuff. And, and, and that's what kind of has happened with this Newcastle group. They have great trips away from home and then you'll have big nights yep. at St. James's Park. Absolutely, think, it's an amazing I, I, I draw. I actually think Newcastle can get through the group though. I do. Mm. Getting that draw away at the San Siro is unbelievable mm. at this you know, if you would have lost that game, it's just confidence. Now you're thinking, oh, I've gone to the San Siro and yeah. we've got we've got a draw there. We could actually do this. Mm. I think people won't want to go to St. James's Park. Have you played games away from home like this before, Alan, when in the Champions League? I mean, I didn't play in those days because mm. I never played Champions League football. Or, well, it was the European Cup back then. But yeah. you have to remember, um, when I played, only one team could qualify and that was the team that won the league. For the mm. European Cup, yeah, and it was knockout, wasn't it? It was knock, it was knockout football, wasn't Straight it? Straight yeah. knockout football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, having not won a league, and um, that I should have played in Europe when I went to Everton because they won the league the previous season. But then they had the ban for the high school yeah. um, thing, so English clubs were banned for for five years. But I did play after that, and I played with Barcelona as well in Europe in European football and won won the um, European Cup Winners Cup. But when you play away from home, it it's like mad. You play. I remember playing for Tottenham. We played against Porto, and we battered them in the first leg with about three-one. It was in the end, and it was a really good game. And we, we were all over them. And then you go to Porto, you think, "Wow, this is going to be a doddle." We never, we never got out our own half. Yeah. I mean, we we held on with a, a nil-nil, um, and it, it's just like it's a it's a different game. You yeah. suddenly go there, and you you can't get the ball off them. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any experiences like that? Yeah, absolutely, Gary. Um, it's it, people will find it really difficult to understand to say, well, it, it is it, it is a completely different yeah. game. Well, how can it be? You're playing on the same, same size pitch <laughs> on grass with a football. How is it different? The pace is different. The atmosphere is different. Everything is is totally different because we're used to this pace in the Premier League that is relentless, and that's what mm. it's known for all around the world. When you go into European football, it's a lot slower. Players are a lot more technically gifted, I think. Um, and you think of these, I don't know, small clubs well there's still some very good um, players out there so it is totally different absolutely but you go back to the draw with Newcastle and Micah you're right you get any point away from home in Champions League football it's a great point because not only does it set you up for the rest of the of the tournament um, or the group games I should say because Newcastle's next game is at home to PSG in a couple of weeks time so you can imagine how rocking it would I mean it would have been anyway but because of that point, it just sets them up really nicely for that game. St James's Park, of course, as well for for the visiting teams. That's that's going to. I mean, it's going to be bouncing in there, as you just said, yeah, um, Alan. It it really is, isn't it? And also, I mean, you always talk about that slope at St James's Park, which I yeah, I can't, I can kind of vaguely remember from when I played. I mean. They'll come there and they'll think, what's going on here? Is this, that's a big hill on this bit. It's a big hill. It's bad though. It is bad, that slope. I used to get cramp every time I played there. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like it's, it's weird. You have to change the way you want to play. And don't forget, when you play Newcastle, normally it's always in, in, in the winter and it's freezing <laughs> and it's horrible up there. And they just, oh, the wind. And then the keeper used to just launch it. 
And it was, oh, being a defender at St. James is, is oh, it is really tough. I suppose it's all sunny and roses in fucking Manchester, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Um, Manchester United's uh, struggles continue. Um, another defeat. I mean, it was a terrific game of football and, um, you know, seven goals in there as well. But um, uh, once again, they came out on the uh, losing side. Yeah, interesting from uh, Anana, who's had a, a, a tough, I think, start at Manchester United. And we know he's good with his feet and stuff, but he's... He's, he's kind of made one or two mistakes and it was particularly, but I, I did admire him for demanding that he came out and spoke to the press and, and, and wanted to own his own mistake. I just, I just don't understand what, what, what's happening at Man United at this moment in time. And I'm not just talking about what's happening off the field, but it's just like, you're a goalkeeper, do your job, not to reference Roy Keane, but just do your job and get on with it. It's almost like a player has to come out and justify why they've done this or why they've done that. He made a mistake. Big wow. We all know he's a good goalkeeper. The problem is with Man United at the moment, they're still in transition where the manager wants them to play out from the back, but the team's not ready for it. So he's trying to do stuff, but the team's not ready. Of course he's going to make mistakes. Okay, the the, the shots that, that came against him, he should have, have saved. But it's not even that much of a bigger problem. I yeah. think everything at Man United now is just highlighted. Was we expecting Manu to go to, to Bayern and win? Because I wasn't. No. I wasn't. No. So for free, getting three goals away from home was actually quite good yeah. for, for Man United. It was never a 4-3 game though, was it? I mean, it's like the, the Man, Man United didn't play well at all. I mean, yeah, you can say that they, they, they stuck together and a bit of team spirit and the game was never over for them. But I felt as if they were they were very rarely in that game. I mean, it was a comprehensive win, I thought, for uh, for Munich. Never, ever during that game did I think Man United were coming out with anything. Uh, Hoyland scored his, his first goal. Um, do you think he's got what it takes to be a success at United? I mean, it's very difficult to say under the, the amount of time that we've seen, but... Even at the weekend, I saw him and I thought, I like quite, I like some of his movement and the fact that he was attacking space in the box. He looks to me like a player that, that will score goals, but it's a lot of pressure on a young man's shoulders carrying that term. Gary, it's a, lot, it's a lot of pressure for anyone going into that football club, but it's even more so when things aren't going well for you, particularly for the, for the team. I mean, he went there, he was injured, he couldn't get straight into the team. And yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm like you. I sort of liked his movement. I liked his energy, his enthusiasm. And there's there's obviously much more to come from him. I hope he's allowed to show that because I hope he doesn't get drowned under the pressure in terms of what's happening at Manchester United because it's through no fault of his own that that things are are the way they are at this moment in time. And I just hope he's he's allowed to go out and flourish and, and show his ability and do well and score goals. But I like what I've seen um, in the couple of games that we've seen him. But it's going to be tough because not all's well at Man United. It's going to take time. No, I, I too I enjoyed watching again. We've seen him quite a lot. Musiala, mm. um, obviously a, a young talent. He could conceivably have played for England. Um, I think he did at youth level. Yes, he did. Um, and chose to play um, in the end for, for Germany, which I think at the time, you used to, whenever you made that decision a few years ago, you thought, well, that's quite sensible. German football, really good. They, you know, they win way more trophies than and England have and, and but German football is actually in a bit of a pickle um, nationally at the moment but what a what a player he is imagine Musiala Declan Rice Bellingham yeah 
Foden in the centre of that yeah. part. Oh, well, I mean, to be honest, it's probably already difficult enough for Gareth to work out who's going to play, if, <laughs> let, let alone if he had another time. Have you ever seen? Have you seen that picture of um, the youth team of um, Bellingham and Musiala? Yes. Yeah. Really great, great shot. The yeah. thing is about Musiala for a centre midfielder, he's actually good at dribbling. It's not his his passing mm. and he's just shooting that's good. He could dribble past about four players yeah. and put it on a plate for someone. I actually seen him play a couple of seasons ago and I was like, he's got the ability to be as good as Bellingham. Yeah. I was that, go, I was that was I was gonna say if you had to take one of those players now, uh, say you know, you had a big budget, would you take Musiala or Bellingham? I know I'd take <laughs> I'd take Bellingham. Yeah, we'd take Bellingham now a, because he's under form of his life. <laughs> But, but Musiala, oh, he's, he's brilliant. Ooh, he's he is special. Brilliant. Absolutely, they're he's both special. special. They're both very special both, footballers. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and Bellingham, another another winner, oh. right? In the last oh. minute again. It's 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 incredible what he's doing there. Wow. Did you see all the Madrid fans are now doing his, his yeah. celebration? It's brilliant, isn't it? Do you think that's a good celebration, Michael? Lifting an arm or two arms in Bro, his that, case? That's, that's different to Alan. <laughs> oh, what, what he lifts that, he lifts another arm. You mean it's very different, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's like. I don't know what is it? He's sort of in the middle of the arena. It's like he stood on the top of a, a mountain in Rio. Exactly, in Rio yes. Yeah. It's different to yours. Yeah. Imagine going to a club like Real Madrid oh. and just scoring winner after winner in the last minute and um, and having his confidence. And he just knows how good he is. I did listen to his interview after the game. He actually said, I would much prefer to score in the last minute of the game rather than the 15th because of the adrenaline rush. And he said, it's not very good for my heart or the fans' hearts or the manager's hearts or whatever. But he said, it's so enjoyable. And he's, yeah. I mean, he just looks as if he's... I mean, how outrageous is this to say, but he just looks as if he's playing in the playground with yeah. his pals. It's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. We we did the, as I said earlier, we did the um, BBC Match of the Day top 10s yesterday. And, and um, one of the categories was top 10 last minute goals. And Alan and my, we were thinking about how many goals, I score a goal in the last minute. And I was, I can't, I can't remember. I must have done it at some point, but I couldn't remember one. He's gone there and he's done about four <laughs> in his first, first six, seven games uh, uh, 20, 20 years yeah. of age yeah yeah wow how good could he be Bellingham yeah I, I, I'm always kind of a little bit reticent to um, to to say that players are going to be major superstars but if he has a fair run and doesn't get any horrific injuries or doesn't go off the rails because these things can happen um, I suspect with him they definitely won't, he, you know, with the way he talks, he's, he's driven, he's focused, he's got a wonderful attitude. But if he avoids serious injury, I genuinely think that he will go on to, to, to be a great. I, I, I just see that in him. Um, you can be wrong. We can all be wrong. But he's, he's got absolutely everything that a midfield player would want, I would say, because he's, you know, he's also got a bit of bite about him, hasn't he? A little bit of, I, when I first saw him, I saw a bit of Brian Robson in him, um, a real box-to-box midfield player. But now he looks like he, he can actually go and play like as a 10 
and playing a little bit just behind the front man and and he can go glides past players he can he can finish he scores poachers goals Alan mm. I mean what's going on midfield players scoring our kind of goals <laughs> but also in, in, it can play beautifully in that position you don't want to put too much pressure on a young player but I don't think it bothers Do you him. know what his I, biggest asset could be I mean you've mentioned all some great things about him is that it seems to me as if he's got his head screwed on he seems he's a very yep. very sensible yeah. down to earth lad good family yeah. I think his father's Absolutely. a policeman yeah yeah, he's got. He's got. What do you think, there, Mike? Do you no, disagree? I, or? No, I agree. I was yeah. just. I'm always just yeah. a little bit nervous of putting too much pressure. Like you well, said, same, same thing. Same. But it's exciting when you see a young footballer coming through with that kind of ability. But I, I don't see him stopping. I agree with mm. you. I mm. don't. You know, you look at you think, okay, he's grounded. He's not got the scrutiny of the English probably media. Mm. Although the Spanish media can be difficult at, yeah. at times. But more about football. They, yeah. Whereas here, it's more about your personal per, life. Exactly. And, and that is a massive difference over there. And I think him being away, yeah. that could just help him to, yeah. to reach the levels we expect. Especially help him if he if he parties like Big Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> just, He's definitely <laughs> burst onto the scene, that's for sure, isn't he? <laughs> he, he really has. And uh, we're going to burst into a break. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and uh, Micah Richards. Um, we've just had our first week of uh, European football. It's always great when it comes back, isn't it? I mean, I used to obviously cover the Champions League for, for BT. I did it for years and before that I did Al Jazeera for, for many years. But I must admit, it's really quite nice sitting at home on the sofa, <laughs> a little glass of wine, uh, watching watching great football. And um, obviously the holders, Manchester City, we have a major ambassador here of the, of, uh, of the football club. I mean, you always know with them, don't you? Even when they do go a goal behind, and obviously Manchester City were dominant and it was kind of a breakaway, but you kind of know now that they're going to come back. And I, It's actually scary watching Man City now because I've got so many injuries or key mm. players out but they don't seem to make any difference that, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself okay well 
Grealish is out. They're bringing Doku. Completely different. Both wingers, but Grealish wants to come more inside. Yeah. Doku can go both ways. But it doesn't seem to phase the team. And Pep was talking about him, about he's a real winger. Not seen a winger's performance like this for a while. It's almost like no matter who comes in, they know their job. They're a little bit naive at the back. I know it was it was on a counter-attack, mm. but they had to do come too high at times. And I've said that for years. And I think sometimes in European football, you can get punished. But going forward, Alvarez, and I, I'll actually admit with Alvarez, I, I didn't think he was at the level of a... I know he'd won the World Cup, but like a Haaland superstar. Alvarez, I didn't think he was superstar level, but now he surprised me. Not just because he can score goals, he can create as well. Yeah, he's a lovely footballer. Scored two he? goals again. The little link between him and Haaland was was great. There was a reason they let Jesus go. Yeah. They knew what they had. They, they, they'd seen him. So, um, yeah, he's what, what a talent. I mean, he's, he, everything about him is fantastic. His energy and his ability to finish. And, yeah, can't speak highly enough of him. He's fantastic. Yeah. Mateus Nunes as well played. Yes. In the Champions League. Very silky. I don't... I don't think we know quite what his best position is in this team, but he's got some he's beautiful yeah. feet, some really good passing, good energy, a strong runner with a ball. He'll fit in yeah. like a glove as well. Yeah, Rodri's impressive, oh! isn't he? I mean, oh, he's, 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 he's probably what best holding player in the world at the moment. He's, he's certainly one of them. He's the best. Um, I, 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 mean, I, I don't see him as a Busquets yet. Ooh, I think well, let's have this debate. <laughs> okay, Busquets in his prime or Rodri? Oh, come oh, on. No, no, Busquets has done. Busquets, Busquets I mean, has been Busquets one of the best is the most teams. beautiful footballers. I mean, yeah. he's unbelievable, isn't he? Taking the ball in half turns and he's on that kind of... And he was also, I mean, like Rodri's got as well, they do that, don't they? the old tactical professional foul, don't they? To block yes. people in, in midfield. They both do that um, in, incredibly well. What um, a question that is. Busquets or Rodri? Well, you have to go, but I, I, I would agree with you. I'd go Busquets he's for, got, for you now. Know, obviously, he's got a lot of years on, on Rodri as well. Rodri's kind of emerging, isn't he? But um, he's got more. He's more likely to get a goal, Rodri. Mm. He just get forward a bit more, doesn't he, Micah? Yeah. He literally just, when Man City go forward on a second phase of play, he just waits around the edge of the box mm. and then gets it and then just curls it into the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so, he's such a good player. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to see Man City not winning the league again and the Champions League. I think they go at least semi-finals. Oh yeah, they'll be close. Yeah, um, they will. Rodri or Busquets, Alan? Well, only Busquets because of, uh, I mean, if you, if you ask that in five years time, the way he's going, it might be different, but Busquets definitely at the minute. Yeah. What will City do when Pep goes? That is a big question. I think it'll it? be a little bit like Manchester United post Alex Ferguson, won't it? It'll be almost impossible for who comes in to, to continue in, in that vein. Because he's going to be England manager, isn't he, in a couple of years? <laughs> <laughs> Starting the rumours already, Gary. It depends, though. What, what you mean by that question, though, Gaz, mm. just because, obviously, Mancini won the league. Mm. Pellegrini won the league True. and Pep's won the league. So I, I still believe they'll still win leagues. Oh, yeah. I just don't think they'll be as dominant yeah. force within the league and Europe. Yeah. But the other thing as well, can another coach come in and 
continue that kind of style of play because what's amazing for me about Pep is it's his drive every single game he manages to get even when we've seen it many times in in the history of football that teams that win titles two or three times then they have a dip but you never seem to see a dip with with City do you such is his intensity and his attitude. I think that certainly reflects on uh, on his team. And I think the turnover of players every every season, where three or four go out, three or four come in. Um, I think it's really important to do that to freshen it up, to bring different ideas in, different attitudes in, and and they've they've done that again. So, yeah, it's 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 one thing winning it; it's another thing then going again like City have. Although when he when he left. Um Barcelona to go to Bayern Munich. Um, Luis Enrique came in and won the treble. Although, all that, although that team did, <laughs> that team did have Messi, Messi. Iniesta, Neymar, Suarez. It wasn't Ooh. a bad side. <laughs> I think they're established now. I think I, I think they're, they're, they're going to be around. I think the owners have proved that um, they're in for the long haul and they want success. And I, I think. There, there will be life after Pep. There's no doubt about that. Football carries on, as, as we know. Who can you see it? Man City de Zerbi? <laughs> Ooh. That's an early shout. That's an early, I'm, I'm just putting it out shout. there. Early doors. When Pep's ready to step down, de Zerbi. I'm just throwing it in there. Every Brighton it. fan's going, oh my gosh. Don't put ideas in their head. Here's a question for you. Who's going to go furthest in the Europa League? Liverpool, Brighton, West Ham, or even Rangers? Oh, you'd have to fancy Liverpool, wouldn't you? Um, didn't play particularly well. I think it's the fourth time they've come from behind this season, Alan, isn't it? Yeah, they can't keep doing that because they'll uh, eventually it'll bite them. Um, I think perhaps with the opposition that they've gone behind, other than Newcastle, then um, they've, been, they've been allowed to get back into the game. They won't be allowed to do that with better opposition. So that's one thing they're going to have to improve on. But I would, I would think they'll go, they'll, they'll go far in the competition. They have to with that squad. They really should, shouldn't they? Um, yeah. West Ham won the trophy last year. Mm. Uh, Ward Prowse, let's, let's mention him because I think he, you know, he's coming. Lots of people have talked, haven't they, about Madison possibly being the signing of of, of the season. It's still very early, but Ward Prowse has, has come in at West Ham. Uh, I, I think he's had a goal or an assist in every single game that he's played. I've banged on about Ward Prowse. For so many years, and nobody was taking me seriously. I always he, take you seriously, Michael. <laughs> I was literally, I said, Ward Proud. He's in a struggling team that don't really have a style of play. Once he goes somewhere where he can express himself more, he's got more than just taking free kicks. He's a comfortable footballer. Well, if you're that technical with free kicks, you're going to be a technical footballer, aren't you? Uh, of course. And, yeah. But the only thing is, when he's played for England, he's not really took his chance. Yeah. So everyone's sort of questioned, oh, is he good enough for the, the highest level? But he is, he's an amazing player and he works hard. He can sit deep, but he can also play further forward. Lovely pass. I just love him. Yeah. He's, he's been my signing of the uh, year. Yeah. Of, of, of the season so far. Top player. I mean, set pieces are amazing as well. When you've when you've got someone who can put the ball on a plate like mm. he can, it didn't half help because we know how important they are. But he seems to be really enjoying his football and he's had a great start to the season. He certainly has. Um, good good start to the European campaign. It's, what's it been? About six years since Arsenal played uh, in the Champions League. And, well, they, they battered them, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they are the Arsenal. You, you expect that, don't you? As soon I mean, as they win a game, you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an Arsenal game. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me, Harry? Oh, I'm on. a Man City ambassador here. Yeah, but you're an Arsenal fan growing up. 
Yeah. You've told us many times. Yes, I was. Um, we expect that from Arsenal now. I, I think I want to see where Arsenal are at. Mm. If you look at the, the, the players that they have, the the forward thinking sort of way the manager wants to play, they've got to do well. They, they, they did well in the in the Premier League last season. The players that they have, um, I was excited to see them win. But I want to see more. I yeah. want to see more from him. Yeah. Alan mentioned Jesus and he's, he's, he's back playing again after his um, obviously injury problems and scoring goals again. Do you think if he'd have stayed fit last season that have gone on to have won that title or? No. I think it was, um, no. it was always going to be City coming back and how great they were. Yeah, he's back. He's looking sharp, uh, looking fresh. And I think, I think Arsenal have... Um, I think they've got a really, really good squad. And I, 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 I think with with that squad, with the players, with the manager, with what happened to them last year with European football, I mean, it, it, it was buzzing there the other night. Watch bits of it on TV. It was a great result for them. Great to be back in that competition. I think they're going to have a really good season because I think they've got the squad for it. Can we talk about the, the Raya-Ramsdale situation? Absolutely, of course we can. What, what are your thoughts on it? My, my thoughts is that I, I think it, it hinders the team. Why? Only because of, I believe, now Ramsdale's confidence has been shot just because he's brought in someone and basically said he was going to use both goalkeepers. Arteta has brought in why, someone. Why should it be different, though, for goalkeepers than it is in other positions? So if you've got, like, strikers, people say, oh, you need another backup striker of, of, of top level to kind of have any chance of challenging for title, etc. Why shouldn't it be the same with goalkeepers? Why can't you have competition for places between two keepers rather than perhaps just have one regular keeper that's not pushed? I think that position is very different to any other position. Um Particularly as you, they have to get to know their defenders. Defenders got to get used to playing with them. I don't have a problem having two very good goalkeepers. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think he'll rotate them Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. He might. He might. One might be his Carabao Cup goalkeeper or whatever it, that that may be. But in terms of the league and the Champions League, I think it's important to stick with a number one until he feels it's time that they're not playing well and give the other one a chance. I have. A, I haven't got a problem with that. Does this show, though, perhaps that Arteta has the ruthlessness that you need to be a successful manager? You can see that sort of thing being done by Pep Guardiola. You have to. It's ruthless. If you want to be successful in football, mm. you have to be ruthless. But Ramsdale had an excellent season mm. last season, so I, I don't I don't get it. And if you, if you wanted to replace him, why not just do it in the summer? Bring in, bring in your number one, Raya, and get a number two who can challenge. Well, but sell not the same. Style, you mean? Yeah, if, mm. if it's not... I can tell you now, it's the same when um, Leno was at, was at Arsenal. Ramsdale comes in and said, oh, I don't want to play two. The one It will never happen. Has, has Arteta done this because Raya's probably a little bit better with his feet? Raya's better. I looked at the stats. Raya's better on crosses. Yeah. He's better on one versus one situations. Uh-huh. When the striker goes through, um, and he's better on the ball, so well that's that's yeah, but that's quite fine. But that is things. fine. Yeah, but you, you can't have your cake and eat it. Why you know? can't you? you well, can. you can. <laughs> well, you can. I, I like I love cake and eat it. <laughs> but, but why? Why would you want both? Let Ramsdale go but, and be a number one somewhere 
where he's appreciated. But I'll where tell he can get you the why, best you, why you, you'd want both. Because if one gets injured, then you've got another seriously good goalkeeper going in his place, surely. Okay. What's the difference between... I mean, it's a different role and it's a one-off position. It quite right, as Alan says, you think... But a goalkeeper can get injured like anybody else. I mean, there's slightly less chance because they're not likely to pull a hamstring or something. But then you need, you don't want to go to someone, then you go, oh my God, we've got this kid coming in and we're not sure he's any good. But look at the, look at the, the goalkeepers now for, for England. So we've got Ramsdale, who's yeah. not playing at Arsenal. Pickford. We've got Pickford, who potentially could go down with Everton. Then we go to Crystal Palace, we've got Hope. Sam Johnson. Hope. As well, yeah. Well, I was going at uh, he'll be number one in the Euros at the end of the season. Pope will be number one. Do you think then, so? A hundred percent, because then you've got. Um, I'm not a hundred percent, Michael, because I mean, <laughs> Pickford's our number one at the moment. Like, but if, very, if, ever, if Everton go down, if Everton go down and he and he loses confidence, he could. But yeah. the, so we're going with Sam Johnston, who was in a squad last mm. England squad at Crystal Palace. Now they've just signed Henderson, the only one free and is in good form. Well. Who can focus on his forms for the end of the season is Pope. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's, it's not Arteta's job to consider Gareth Southgate's issues. Let him go play somewhere else. The proof Ramsey will be in the, the, the proof will Ramsey. be in the pudding. I don't have a big issue with it if he's gonna if he's gonna say there's the competition. My best goalkeeper plays in the biggest games. That I think mm. that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, Barcelona won five uh, nil in midweek. Uh, two goals and assists for João Felix. And it's funny we talked about Chelsea players, haven't we? That they all struggled uh, last season, and he was brought in halfway through. But I actually thought he did he did quite well. Probably the best of Chelsea's uh, players that they they brought in. I know he's only on loan, but he started really well at Barcelona. He got two goals and assists in in, in midweek. Um, but also I want to talk about Lewandowski because he scored his one hundredth goal in. European football um, became only the third player um, to do that. I can't imagine who the other two were. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been Messi and Ronaldo. Um, so I just thought to, to perhaps finish um, this episode, we have a little discussion about who is the best number nine in the last 10 years because you've got who have you got? You've got Harry Kane, Robert Lewandowski, uh, of course, um, Karim Benzema. Luis Suarez. <laughs> Who would you go with, Alan? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a huge. I mean, how can you not be a huge fan of his Lewandowski? Um, good old-fashioned centre forward, physical if he wanted to be, but technically also magnificent. Um, I mean, his goals record is phenomenal. Uh, he scored it's goals, almost a goal again. I mean, to, to have that and to go through your career with that is tells you who and what he is. I mean, he's a giant of a, of a player. But then Harry Kane's been doing it in the Premier League for God knows how long. Um, now doing it, of course, in uh, in Germany and been doing it on the international stage as well. So, I mean, that, that list that you've just named is... is you want us? To, you want us to pick a best one out of that, do you? I, I just want to discuss the, the all the strengths and the, of, of of the various players. I, I, you know, I would look at them. I would go. Lewandowski is probably the most out and out goal scorer. I didn't include Ronaldo, by the way, because he primarily played a lot on the left in his career and only became a striker mm. later on. And, and also, obviously, he, he would win any of the competitions for that particular. Position, but I think Lewandowski is an out-and-out box player. Really, I mean, he can obviously link up and do all that kind of stuff. I think Kane's probably more of an all-round player than 
than Lewandowski because he, he can drop into that 10 position. He can spray passes. He's a brilliant passer of the ball, Harry Kane. I think that side of his game perhaps get undervalued a little bit. Suarez takes some beating. You know what? I mean, Suarez. he's so good. I mean, it, I remember talking to Stephen Gerrard about, and he said, this is the best player you've, you've played with. And he, he says, easily, Luis Suarez, easily. And, and then you've got Benzema, who's different again, yeah. who showed at Real Madrid over many years that he could actually play a second fiddle to, mm. to Ronaldo and, and his, his goal scoring was, was lower. And you thought, yeah, but is he gonna, can he score that many goals? But then Ronaldo left and became the pivotal figure for Real Madrid for, for a number of years. And, and what a footballer. Yeah, I got, I got absolutely hammered on Twitter <laughs> a couple of years ago. I've never been hammered on Twitter for anything. <laughs> what I meant to say was, I love Benzema as, as a player, yeah. but he's always been in the shadow of Ronaldo. Mm. So in terms of the goals- Well, that's and, a fair comment. I, I know, but mm. it's a way, it's a way, the way I said it. phrased it. it. <laughs> it's a way I phrased it. You gotta be it. careful on Twitter. <laughs> But yeah, when Ronaldo left, he just took his game to the, the next level. Yeah. Even with the, the players around him, he was always the, whether he needed to link up into the 10 or whether he needed to finish it. Like, I remember the season when Real Madrid just kept going and going and going. They just come back and get, remember the game at, um, in Real Madrid with Man City? They scored two goals right in the uh, lap. It was just madness. Yeah. And that was a lot down to, to Benzema and the belief he he had in that team. So I'd probably pick Benzema out of all of them. Yeah. I, I think as an out and out number nine, number centre forward, yeah. um, Lewandowski for me. Mm. Well, he's probably got the best goal scoring ratio of all of those as well. And and, it, and number nine's job is to score goals, Alan, isn't it? Yeah. And if he can give some, some something different as well, where I think he does. I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal goal scorer, but I think he's also a very good team player as well. Oh, I mean, that list is ridiculous. But if you're going to push me on a centre forward, out and out, number nine, Lewandowski. I think I'd have taken any of those four strikers if I were, if I if I could get one to Leicester City. I think it's high, <laughs> highly unlikely. We're on the last minute of the podcast. Should we bring our goalkeeper up? Um, did you see in midweek the Lazio goalkeeper um, uh, Ivan Providelli equalised? I think it was in the 95th minute. He, he came up didn't he against Atletico Madrid, <laughs> I think, and he came for up for a corner, and then the, oh, and then the ball was knocked out, and then he made he made a striker's run, Alan, didn't he? He gambled on where it might go, and then he knocked it in. I loved his celebration because not at any point did he even smile. <laughs> I don't know whether he was in shock. Or it was angry at the fact that he had to do what his strikers couldn't do. <laughs> uh, it, but I, there's something special. I mean, I was never a fan of goalkeepers coming up when I... In fact, yeah, I don't get that, though. I don't understand that. Why not? It's an extra player in the box. They cause mayhem. They got nothing really to lose. Because as a striker, it, it, uh, particularly from corners, I used to have a lot of joy by standing on the keeper and, and finding a little bit of space. But the more players are in the box, the less space there is, therefore. <laughs> but um, I do, I must admit though, when a keeper goes up and he and he does score, it's always a special moment. I remember Allison's against- West Brom. West Brom, wasn't it? West Brom. And, um, he, but that did cost Leicester ultimately uh, a Champions <laughs> League spot that season. Um, but it is special, isn't it? When they do it and they score. What a header it was, wasn't it? I mean, oh. everything about it, the, the timing of the run and then to get there and flick it, it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm. 
Brilliant header. Great goal. Number nine's header, wasn't it? it was Number nine. It was an amazing header, yeah. yeah. And they got that was it, they got the point, didn't they? Last yeah. uh, last nearly last touch of the game. So I, I don't I have not got a problem at all with goalkeepers coming up. We've got nothing to lose. What better way to finish a podcast than with a goalkeeper scoring a late <laughs> header? Uh, thank you for listening once again and thank you for your continued kind words Um, they are noted on um, social media we do appreciate it Um, keep listening uh, keep watching if if that's how you prefer on YouTube and um, we'll see you next time that's it from uh, me goodbye from me and goodbye from me thank you I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.